Welcome to the Cover 2 Resources podcast series, a podcast series about addiction and addiction education. My name is Amy McNeil. I lost my brother Samuel to a heroin overdose on October 23, 2015. He was 28. As a family, we thought we were prepared to help Sam fight addiction, but we were painfully mistaken. My family founded Cover 2 Resources in memory of Sam. Our mission is to arm others with the knowledge needed to best support a loved one struggling with opioid addiction. The Cover 2 Resources podcast is an ongoing series in which we interview experts in the fight against opioid addiction. It is made possible through donations and sponsorships from concerned individuals or organizations. If you want to help in the fight against opioid addiction, please consider donating or sponsoring the Cover 2 podcast. Go to cover2.org for more information. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, and via RSS feed. Simply search for the full name, Cover 2 Resources, on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Greg McNeil, founder of Cover 2 Resources, and I'm here today with Gordon Mary from Cabell County in Huntington, West Virginia. Gordon, welcome. Thank you very much. On Monday, August 15th, Gordon and his team scrambled to save 26 people from heroin overdoses in just four hours. Before we get into what happened, Gordon, on Monday, that had to be just an incredible day, um, can you give us a little background on yourself and tell us what you've witnessed as the heroin epidemic has begun to overwhelm your community. Greg, I started in 1974 as an EMT, and I worked my way up to be director. I've been doing this for 42 years, and Monday was probably one of the worst days we had in regarding to dealing with drug overdoses. Wow. Just to give you a little background, Cabell County is about... Uh, 288 square miles, and um, the population of the county is about 98,000. So it's about 50-50 county and city. Got it. So in a span of four hours, we read on the Huffington Post, you had 26 overdoses. Yes, sir. Wow. So tell us about that. Can you walk us through that? Uh, Approximately 3.30, we received the call of gentleman said there was people laying everywhere and they were dying and um, the first units rolled in I think we wound up with seven individuals on the ground unconscious unresponsive and um, they immediately Huntington police immediately initially before we went in we, we truly didn't know what we had so the police had to clear the scene the minute he realized what he had the police immediately gave two of the patients Narcan called for us, which we were like a block away. So your police had Narcan right in their cars? Yes, sir. So both? enforcement and fire department, both in West Virginia, can carry Narcan. Got it. Okay. So we immediately responded to the scene, and we took care of, we had seven at that one location on the initial call, and we administered Narcan to those. So this is multiple locations we're talking about? Well, initially, we only had primarily one location. Within that general area, probably within a mile radius, the majority of the overdoses were. 
So in one house? A couple houses right next door to each other. So what happened next? Kind of take us through that if you could. Basically, then we started receiving additional calls for additional overdoses. And this was in a very short time span. And um, it, it, it taxed our resources tremendously trying to get people to the individuals which had overdosed. And we try to send one ambulance per overdose so that we can give them the proper care. And that basically depleted the ambulances in the city. And then we had to do what's called a move down where we move our resources from the county down into the city. But it happened so quick, it, it kind of took us off guard a little simply because we normally see our, our car calls start building up. So we start to move, move our resources. This, everything went out at one time and that kind of caught us off guard a little. 911 obviously was overwhelmed also and they, they immediately dispatched the ambulance. And we're not talking hours. We're talking probably took eight minutes at best to move the resources back down into the city. So how far away did you have to grab resources from, ambulances from, to... Um, truly, it, it's not. Probably three miles, four miles. We have, um, within the county, we have nine stations. And we moved them from, one, from our outlying stations. So how many people were involved in this rescue effort? We had seven ambulances with two people per ambulance. Huntington Fire had quite a few rescue trucks and fire apparatus and Huntington police. I mean, they diverted their administrative staff. I mean, we were, we swamped the area with resources trying to mitigate and not have a loss of life. Yeah. Well, congratulations. You obviously did a really good job of mobilizing all of the rescue well, personnel to make that happen. I appreciate that, but it goes back to cooperation with police, fire, EMS, working together for a common goal, and truly, that's what happened that Monday. Yeah. So what kind of teaching uh, tips would we have and, and advice that perhaps could come out of this, uh, you know, almost tragic situation? Well, a couple things. It starts, number one, with the administration of the police department, fire department, and EMS. They've got to work together. And, I mean, when I say that, we have drills. We have, once a year, we have a full-scale drill where we practice together. That's the biggest key. Know who the police chief is. Know who the fire chief. Know who you're working with so you're on a first-name base. That's the first hurdle. Once you get over that, then do the training. We train with the Huntington Police and Huntington Fire. Most of their police officers and firefighters go through our EMT class or they take um, first aid, CPR from us. So we're always training together. The police chief and fire chief both chose to put bike valve mask and to carry the Narcan on their apparatus definitely something that you need to look at. Um, that, that's the key is to have them. And then the police, fire, and EMS, we routinely answer, unfortunately, overdoses together, and we work together. 
this was unfortunately a much larger scale than we've ever dealt with. But I, I contribute working together. We have a monthly Homeland Security meeting where police, fire, EMS, uh, any business that wants to participate meets and we have a, a one hour lunch and we discuss issues that have happened, how we resolve them. And communications is the key to having a good outcome. Very good. Um, West Virginia leads the country in drug overdose deaths per capita with 36 deaths per 100,000 people. Um, what other things are happening in the state to curb the epidemic? Our health department um, is very aggressive. They've, um, we're trying a lot of things, uh, thinking outside the box. Some of it could be considered controversial. That is needle, ex needle exchange program. There's pros and cons. Everyone's got mixed opinion, but we're getting the needles off the playground. They're, they're, the addicts have to bring a needle in to get a needle. And then basically we're talking to them and saying, Hey, why don't you let us see if we can get you in for treatment? Uh, can we, can we test and see if you have any problems? And it's, it's, that is working. Uh, we're trying to reduce, unfortunately, AIDS and um, also Hep C. So we're, we're trying to do a lot of things. And, you know, the, the needle exchange has been a little controversial. You know, some people say, you know, don't do this. You're, you're helping them. You're enabling them. But we're trying to reduce the other um, diseases from transmitting. Right, and we've we've got the same program here, a needle exchange program, and um, a very successful one in Cuyahoga County, and uh, we've also got one in Summit County, and those same thing, uh, very beneficial for the community. I think the uh, uh, certainly the positive points far outweigh uh, the negatives because they're going to be using anyhow until they you know hit hit that point where they they really want to seek out help. So uh, in the meantime, at least they can use safely. It, it's easy to judge until you actually have a loved one that unfortunately has got into this. Yep. And, and that's, you know, I, I have friends that have had uh, their children pass away from drug overdoses. I have met a lot of people that have come up and talked to me, you know, thanking me for what we do and who have lost a loved one. And, you know, it's easy to be judgmental until you're in those shoes. Yeah. And as, as you know, that is the case with my family. And, right. um, you know, it, it, I didn't know what to think of the needle exchange truck until I spent half a day on it. And then at that point in time, I, I was a complete convert and completely in favor of that program. Well, if nothing else, you know, the biggest thing I see is getting the needles off the street. I mean, so you don't cross-contaminate a child at a, at a playground, a schoolyard, etc. Do we still have them? Absolutely, we do. But I, I think it has reduced. Um, I think the um, we're starting to see some decline in the, the addicts telling us they're not sharing needles anymore. And if that, that's a plus. 
Yeah. Anything else that you might be able to cite? Any other programs that uh, your state is is doing that perhaps we in Ohio could learn from? The the health department is the one that's really taken the lead trying to. uh, We started giving um, Narcan out to citizens so they can. um, In other words, if you had a loved one that was uh, an addict, you can take a class. I think it's about four hours. And they will actually give you Narcan so that if something happens, you can administer it to your loved one. Yes, we've uh, we've done that here in the state of Ohio. In fact, it's called Project Dawn. It's deaths avoided with Narcan. And uh, the, the beauty of it is, similar to your program, a very, very short class. In fact, this class takes less than 30 minutes to complete. And you go in, you sign up. You take that, you walk out with your kit. And each kit has two, two doses in it. Now, one of the challenges that we have here in our neighborhood is so much of the stuff that the addicts are using now is cut with either fentanyl or now, in Akron, carfentanyl. Have you seen that, Gordon, in your neck of the woods? The jury's still out on what it's cut with. We do not know. They're, they're checking on that. Um, obviously, whatever we ran into on Monday was not what we've been normally dealing with. When we administered Narcan and we got them to the hospitals, they were having to re-administer Narcan, which leads me to believe it was cut with something. But what it was, I have no idea. So um, have you heard of carfentanil? Not to put you Absolutely. on the spot. Okay, that's what I thought. So here in in the Akron area, what we found is that in some cases, even four uh, doses of the regular Narcan were not enough to bring somebody back. It required more, up to six doses and more. I'm told. Um, well, so that's that's a a, a real issue. Well, the the backtrack a little on the um, the initial call we had one individual that originally they thought he was expired and when we got in we gave him narcan and we wound up giving him three doses and we did resuscitate him and get him back but i mean what you're saying i understand and i believe it because we, we it's, it's unheard of to give three narcans in the field is that right? Wow. I, yeah. I, yeah, I didn't know that. Huh. That's how tough this is with the, these new uh, drugs that they're cutting them with. I mean, that carfentanil, that's elephant tranquilizer. Absolutely. And the, and the thing is that people forget that people which are making this stuff are probably users themselves, so you don't know what they have done. This time, they may put a little bit of the additive in. The next time, they may put a whole lot. They don't know. And, you know, it's probably not made in the best conditions either. Well, I tell you, this just happened uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, It's Wednesday today, and this happened on Monday. And I know since that time, you've been inundated with requests for interviews from uh, much of the media. So, Gordon, I just want to thank you for your time today. We really appreciate it. And before we leave, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners about how they can make a difference in fighting the opioid epidemic? 
someone asks me, and my, my simple answer is, is please get help if you are using. And if you haven't used, don't go down that path. Very good. Thank you, Gordon. Really appreciate it. We've been visiting today with Gordon Mary from Cabell County, and he's the EMS director at the Huntington, West Virginia branch. And again, on Monday, August 15th, Gordon and his team scrambled to save 26 lives from heroin overdoses in just four hours. So again, Gordon, congratulations, and thanks very much for your time. Thank you. Okay. This is Greg McNeil, founder of Cover 2 Resources. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Cover 2 Resources podcast. This episode is a production of Cover 2 Resources and is made possible by listeners like you. With your support, the Cover 2 team can continue to research and broadcast these resources to others in need. If you'd like to donate or to sponsor a future podcast, please visit cover2.org. As always, thank you for listening. Together, we can make a difference in the opioid epidemic, one life at a time.